Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in your house today. Lord, I thank you for the truth and song that we've enjoyed today. Thank you that we are free, those of us who have been saved, those of us who have been born again. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us now in these next few moments, God, to listen to your word and ask how it may apply to our lives personally. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may remember that last week we finished looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 7 by looking in verse number 29, where Solomon basically made this declaration that God made man upright, or God made man good and righteous and in a proper state, and that it was true, certainly, of Adam and Eve, and we talked about that last week, but we also discussed how in general, for lack of better words, we would say this of many people that we know, that they are good people, that they are honest people, they are hardworking people, charitable people, kind people. But as Solomon finished his thoughts there in that verse, he said, here's the problem with so many. They have sought out many inventions, which basically meant this. They have in their mind or in their direction, they have come up with what they think is a better plan. So essentially, again, what Solomon was saying is this, people are good, but they think they have a better idea for their lives than God. And so I tried to show us last week how that tends to be the spirit of so many people around us. They're good people, they're kind people, they're, they're honest people, but they don't really want to yield to the authority of God in their lives because they're convinced they have a better plan for themselves and unfortunately, many times that same thing is found, that same spirit is found in the lives of professed Christians. They know what the Word of God says. They know what the Word of God teaches. But for them, it's not really necessary that they do it. They have a better plan. They have a better idea than God. And I want to remind us this morning, as I tried to last week, we will never improve upon God's plan for our lives. I don't care how smart we think we are. I don't care how crafty and, and, and intelligent we think we are. You and I will never come up with a better plan for our lives than what God has already spelled out for us in his word. And so our challenge and our responsibility then becomes to just yield to it, to just submit to it, and be obedient to his word. This morning I want to share a couple of stories with you that are personal in nature not anything that is uh, private by any means. This is not anything that would be top secret. It's just one of those things that it's personal, and I'm able to talk about it as clearly as I hope to be able to talk about it because it happened to me. This is not happen something that happened to someone else. And I know some of you have endured these stories before, and for that I apologize, okay? But sometimes you just have to repeat a story because it fits, okay? All right, so here are a couple of stories from my exciting life that I'm going to share with you because I know you are excited to hear these stories. 26 years ago, I was in high school, and I was involved in a spring basketball league, and we were playing some games down in Shawnee, Oklahoma. We were involved in a game. I don't remember what quarter we were in, but I was out on the court at that particular time Somebody from the opposing team threw a pass that I was able to intercept, that I was able to steal the pass, and I began dribbling down the court in hopes of shooting a layup and obviously making a couple of points for our team. 
right as I approached the basket, right as I was about to shoot it, I believe it was the young man who had thrown the bad pass, who was trying to make up for his mistake. He ran down the court, and right as I was about to shoot, he dove in front of me trying to get the ball, and when he did, he hit my left knee with his shoulder, or his body got in front of my left knee, and whenever we made contact, here is what happened. Immediately, my ACL and my MCL, they were torn, and I was incapable of getting up and playing any more basketball. Well, soon after that, we made our way to the doctor, and we found out through a series of events that I was going to have to have my knee reconstructed. This was long before arthroscopic surgery, and so this was a pretty big surgery that I would be facing as a junior in high school right before my senior year. And I remember this, and why I remember it, I don't know, but I remember this very clearly, that the doctor, the surgeon who would be doing my surgery, he just kept looking at my knee and kept doing the same test to see if my knee was really as bad as he thought it was. Well, it was as bad as he thought it was. And my parents have said this to me over the years several times, that something the surgeon said repeatedly is this. I've never done surgery on a knee this big. I've never operated on a guy this size before. And again, I remember as the surgeon kept doing the test with my knee to, to see what kind of condition it was in, I remember he just had this puzzled look on his face, and that would make sense whenever he conveyed repeatedly to my parents, I've never done a knee this big before. So his lack of confidence and his somewhat skeptical approach to this and maybe even a little bit of a hint of doubt, you know where it was seen? It was seen on his face. It was seen in his countenance. It was obvious by just his body language. You could just tell by looking at him he was struggling to believe that he could do for me maybe what he had done for others of a smaller stature. I find this interesting. I don't think the surgeon ever said whenever he saw my size and things of that nature, I don't think he ever said to himself, be sure to convey this with your face. I don't think the surgeon ever said to himself, okay, now, now whenever I'm in there and I, I see that he's a big guy, here's what I want to do. I want to be sure and let him know and let the family know I'm doubtful, so I better let them know with my face. You know what was true? It was just a natural, natural reaction. The doubt and the wonder and the questions were revealed in his countenance. I find that interesting for this reason in contrast to what happened to me a couple of months ago. A couple of months ago, whenever I had the skiing accident and knew that I had broken my collarbone, I went to the specialist over in Amarillo, and from looking at the x-rays, all I knew is it's broke. Our doctor had already said it's going to require surgery, but I didn't know what that meant, so I went to the specialist over in Amarillo, they took me back to the examination room. They eventually took more x-rays, went back to the room. You know how the process works. And you just sit there and you wait until the doctor comes in. 
The doctor eventually came in. Not much small talk was made. Not much uh, getting to know each other took place. But immediately, here's what the doctor began to say. He said, you've got a Category 5 break of the clavicle. He said, it's the worst kind that you can have for this particular part of your body. He then explained, you've also torn all the ligaments in your shoulder, and those will kind of heal on their own. But he said, here's what we're going to do. This is the procedure we're going to engage in, and this is what's going to happen. And he basically summarized the visit by saying this. We'll see you tomorrow, and we'll take care of this. We'll see you tomorrow, and we'll get you fixed up. And you know what was interesting about that interaction with that specialist? There was complete confidence. Complete confidence. And you know what was amazing? You could see the confidence in his face. There was no look of doubt. There was no look of wonder. There was no doubt of question in his mind as to whether or not he could do it. It was kind of interesting as I stepped back and I considered his approach to my medical need and the approach of the other surgeon as it related to my my physical need, it was amazing what you could tell just by looking at their faces. One was confident, and you could see it. The other had questions. Let's listen. The other had questions and you could see it. And again, neither physician said to themselves, let me convey with my face what I believe in my heart. It was just as natural as anything else could be. Now, I'll try to tie all that together in the next few moments, but notice in verse number 1 this morning of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, here's what Solomon said. He said, who is as the wise man? Who is as the wise man? So we notice right here in this very first statement, this very first question that Solomon presents, he mentions a wise man, correct? All right. Let's try to give attention to this. He mentions a wise man, correct? All right. So what would a wise person be? Well, this is review for many of us, but just bear with me, okay? A wise person, by definition, would be this, a person of skill, a person of discernment, or a person of intellect. Over the years, I've defined it like this. Many of you have heard this many, many times. But a wise person is one who knows how to make good and right decisions for their lives. The wise person is the one because of that skill and that intellect and that discernment. They are the ones who learn from previous mistakes and and they say to themselves, let's not make that mistake again, and they don't make that same mistake. A wise person is the one that sees the mistakes that others have made. And they say to themselves, I don't need to make that mistake in my life. I don't need to go into that area of life in order for me to be happy. And so here is what a wise person does. They make good and right decisions. They learn from previous mistakes that they have made. And they learn from the mistakes of others so as not to repeat those mistakes in their lives as well. So the question that Solomon then asked was this, Who is as the wise man? What does that mean? It means this, 
Who can be compared to a wise man? Who can be compared to a wise man? Well, if you think about that question, here is the answer that you have to come to. This is the only conclusion that you can arrive at when you ask the question, who is as the wise man? You, you come to this conclusion that there is no one that compares to a wise person. You understand this? There is no comparison to a person who knows how to make good and right decisions for their lives. When a person exercises skill and discernment and understanding and they put all those things together so that they make good and right decisions for their lives, they make good and right decisions for the lives of their family, for, the, for their careers, whatever you want to insert there, whenever you consider a wise person and the right decisions they make for their lives, here is what you have to conclude, that there is nothing better than that. Let me just throw this in real quick, all right? Wise people are in a category of their own. Wise people are not found in big numbers. People who know how to make good and right decisions, avoid mistakes of others, learn from previous mistakes of, that they themselves have made. I just want us to, to, to know this. It's not like you're just running into wise people all the time. They are a rare breed of people. Now, as that is so, Solomon follows that question up with another question. He said, and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? Who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? So what does it mean to know something? It means this, to recognize or to discern something. What would it mean to interpret this? It means to have a solution and... A thing is a reference to just a matter or a situation. So Solomon asked this question by way of follow-up. He said, who knows the interpretation of a thing or who really recognizes and discerns a solution for a situation? That's an important question, is it not? Who knows how to come up with the right answer for the situation they're facing. The context would suggest this, that the only person who can come up with the right solution to a situation they're facing is a wise person. You understand this? Foolish people do not come up with good solutions to the problems or the situations they're facing. Now understand this, Foolish people make decisions every day. But just because a decision is made does not mean it was a good decision. So it's not like Solomon is saying people can't make decisions if they don't have wisdom. That's not at all what he is saying. But what he is asking is this, is who are the people who can come up with the right decision, the right interpretation, the right solution for the problems they are facing? The answer to that, again, would be only a wise person can come up with the right answers to the problems or to the situations they are dealing with. That is why there is nothing to be compared to by way of a wise person. You run into fools all over the place. You run into people all the time who don't know how to come up with a good solution to the situation that is confronting them. 
So again, you cannot have anybody out there who compares to the wise person, whether they be male or female, old or young, you can't find anyone who compares to them because they're the only ones who really know how to come up with the right answer to a situation that lies before them. Now, as Solomon makes that statement, as he asks those questions and reveals those obvious answers to us, notice what he said next, because it's kind of, at least in my opinion, it's an interesting transition of thought. He said, A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine. You know what he said about a man's wisdom? He said this, it makes his face shine. It makes his face to be illuminated. It makes his face to be bright. You seeing what Solomon is saying? He is saying this, that when a person truly has wisdom when they know how to make good and right decisions for their lives, when they know how to learn from their mistakes, and when they know how to learn from the mistakes of others, you know what it'll do? It'll affect their countenance. It'll make their face shine. It's almost as though this person with wisdom not with arrogance, not with ego, not with pride or anything of that nature, but with this sense of confidence that they are making the right decision, not because of their wisdom, but because of God's wisdom. Here is what it does. It even begins to change their countenance and their face. And it's as though there is a brightness or an illumination to their face. Now, what would the contrast of that then be? It would be this, that whenever a person does not have wisdom, when a person does not possess the ability to have this, uh, to make good and right decisions for their lives, then this is what you would see. You would see a face where maybe there's not that brightness associated with it. Now, I, I know the wording may seem a little bit odd this morning, but here is what we all know. You and I can look into the eyes of people, and you and I can look into the faces of people, and sometimes we see what we might refer to as an illusion and sometimes we see what appears to be a very dark face or or what we might see as a darkness in the eyes. Do we not? So Solomon says, when a person has wisdom, here is what it does, that man's wisdom maketh his face to shine and the boldness of his face shall be changed. What does it mean whenever he speaks of the boldness of a person's face? Again, the idea would be this, the sternness or the harshness or maybe just the strength, but not in a positive manner. He said the boldness of the face will be changed. 
What does it mean for it to be changed? Well, again, as you read scholars and as you read students of the Scripture, here's what they suggest, many of them. They suggest that what happens is this, is that the strength or the, the, the harshness of the person's face, it will be softened. And it's like it's relaxed. You don't see that same level of perplexity. And again, that hardness in the face of the person with wisdom or confidence in the direction they're headed. You understand this? Think about the surgeons. If, if you're not understanding this, think about the surgeons I mentioned just a moment ago. Okay, the one who dealt with my knee. He did not tell himself, okay, let's go in there with a hard look on my face. Let's go in there and, and, and let's make sure that my eyes are doing weird things and I'm giving them weird expressions. He, he didn't do that. It was just natural. Why? Because he doubted himself and he didn't really know if he was doing what he was supposed to be doing or if it was going to work the way it was supposed to work. Yet you look at the doctor who took care of my shoulder and he came in and he had confidence and he had, he, he had an, an assuredness about himself. I know what I'm doing and I know how to address this and I know how to take care of this. And it was as obvious on his face that he knew what he was doing as it was obvious on the face of the other that he was not sure what he was doing. It is interesting to me that Solomon said this, that when a person is wise, when a person knows how to find a solution to the problem that is facing them, here is what will happen. The man's wisdom will even change his face and will even change their countenance. You'll be able to tell just by looking at them. They are confident in what they are doing because they know they have God's wisdom behind the direction they are taking. Why is that fascinating? Because people to this day still cannot lie. And you know what tells on them? Their face. Their countenance. Their look. Think about it like this for just a moment. How many of us have ever talked to a young person about their future plans? Most of us have done that, have we not? I think it's the tendency of most young people, not, not all of them, of course, but I think it's the tendency of most young people that whenever you talk to them about future plans, here's what they want to do. They want to make people think they know what they're doing. So what are your plans? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to graduate high school, and after this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then after college, I'm going to do this, I'm going to pursue this, and this is what I'm going to do with my life. And you know what? Sometimes that is exactly what happens. But how many of us have ever had that conversation with that young person, and though they're telling us everything they're planning on doing, you can see in their face they have no idea what they're doing? You know how we're able to determine that? You know how you and I are able to pick up on that? It's not because they said, okay, I'm going to tell you one thing, but my face will tell you another. It's not that they did it intentionally. It's just what happens. 
They have this lost look in their eyes like, this is what my parents have told me to tell people whenever they ask me what I'm going to do with my life. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to graduate, and then I'm going to move to this college, and this is what I'm going to study, and this is what I'm going to do. And in the back of your mind, you're saying, that poor kid, they're going to work at Walmart the rest of their life, and there's nothing wrong with that. But these big dreams and these big ambitions that they're telling everyone about, it's just not going to happen, and you can see it in their face. Listen you don't believe it, just talk to some young people. Again, I'm not saying it's true of everyone. I'm just saying it is true of many. Have you ever looked at the young couple trying to raise small children? And what does that young couple want to give off? They want to give off, let's listen now, they want to give off this perception that they have it all under control. We're the perfect parents. We've got the matching diaper bag that goes with this, and we've got the swing, and we've got the bassinet, and we've got the baby bed, and we've got all the, you know, the bottles and the binkies, and, and we've just got it all together. Until they realize no one's looking, and then what do you see in their face? Despair. Because they're not as confident as they want to give off that they are, what tells on them? Their face and their countenance, their eyes, the hardness of their face again when no one is watching. And you just go right on through the list of things and, and scenarios you would like to consider. It is so true. You know what is obvious sometimes as a pastor? It is so obvious many times who in a church has a good and right relationship with their spouse and the ones who don't have a good and right relationship with their spouse. You know what the telltale signs are more times than not? It has nothing to do with what they say. It has everything to do with what is written on their face. They want you to think that everything's okay. They want you to think that Things just couldn't be better. And yet when you watch them from a distance and they forget that other people are watching, you know what you see? You see the darkened eyes, the hardened faces. Because there is such a level of uncertainty about the direction of their lives, where their lives are going. They don't have confidence that they're doing this right. They don't have confidence that they're doing things the way they're supposed to be doing, supposed to be doing them. Listen, it is amazing how the eyes and how the face tell on people. And it shouldn't surprise us because Solomon thousands of years ago said this, You know, a man's wisdom makes his face shine. And that man's wisdom makes the boldness or the harshness or the sternness of the face to be changed and to be softened. There's just a different countenance and there is just a different look for the person who truly believes they know what they're supposed to do in this life. And friends, that is what makes them incomparable to anyone else. 
Now, as you think about that, understand, please, that's not an insult. To say that people can be read by their face, to say that people can be read by their countenance, it's not an insult. It is a statement, and you know why we can make that statement with some certainty? It's for this reason. You and I recognize that look because we've all had that look. Are we hearing this? So I, I don't know, Brother Kyle, you, you kind of lost me on all this. How many of us have ever been the ones who wanted to give off the perception that we've got it all together? But when we look in the mirror, we see the face that tells us the truth. You ever been there? Say, so really, Kyle, I don't know what you're talking about at all. All right. In our public setting, what do we do? We give off the appearance and we try to give off the perception. Hey, I know what I'm doing. We've got all the answers. Yeah, I'm pretty confident about what we're doing. And yet here's what happens when no one's around, when no one's looking at us, and it's just us, ourselves, and nobody else. How many times have we looked in the mirror and saw the countenance? that made it clear we have no idea what we're doing. We look in the mirror and we can't deny, I have no idea what to do with my kids right now. I'm at a loss. Now, I'm very confident acting at church. And, and yeah, I try to remember to always look like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm really good. Yeah. Oh, boy, I'm... I'm lost. It's not an insult to say that we can read it on other people because we've gotten good practice looking at ourselves in the mirror and we know what that look looks like. number of times, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but the number of times I've looked in the mirror and just said, Lord, I don't have a clue as to what I'm doing. God, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and, and see, it changes my countenance. If you're honest, you know what it's like many times to just be just to be looking in the mirror, maybe when you're brushing your teeth, getting ready, and you can just see the reflection of yourselves, and you know what's going on in your heart and your mind, and you know you're not near as put together as you'd like to pretend you are. You could come to church this morning... You could wear the smile. You could act like, oh, Brother Kyle, this message isn't for me. We know what it's like. It changes who we are. And we can't lie to ourselves. We know what it's like to have questions, to be confused to feel as though we have no direction, to feel as though we have no answers. 
And many times, I don't know if this would be true of you, but I know it's been true of me. Many times, I just want to throw my hands up in the air and say, who cares at this point? Whenever I look in the mirror and I see my face and the countenance is hard and the, and then the eyes are, are dark and, and, and the, the countenance is dim, you know what that reveals to me? I don't have the wisdom that I need. Which means this, I'm in no place to make decisions that need to be made right now. I'm in no position to be making decisions that need to be made right now because if I had wisdom, it would be obvious in my countenance and I'd be able to find the solutions to whatever the problems were facing me. You understand this? And so whenever I look in the mirror and I see someone where the joy is gone and the countenance is not what it once was and the illumination isn't there and the softness isn't as it once was, then what that should scream to me is, is Kyle, you need wisdom right now more than you need anything else. Because there is nothing that can be compared to wisdom. There is nothing that can be compared to a wise man, and only a wise man or a wise woman can find the solutions to the situations that face them. This morning, I'm not asking us for a moment. I am not asking us what our church face is like. Because truth be told, it doesn't matter what our church face looks like. I'm asking us to be honest in answering this question. Right now, when there's nobody looking, when there's nobody watching, when there's nobody giving attention, right now when I see my reflection, I see my countenance, I see my, my body language, I see, I see myself. Is there a confidence that comes because of biblical wisdom? Or would I have to be honest and admit there is doubt? And there is skepticism. And there is a sense of, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm just saying, if there is any doubt or skepticism at all, you know what you need to do? You need to cry out for wisdom. Because that is the only way you will find a solution for the problems that face you. And until you and I know we have God's direction in a matter, we will never be able to make our face lie to us forever. We know. Because all we've got to do is look in the mirror and we either see someone who has confidence from the wisdom that God gives or we see a person who is doubtful. And you know what you see when you look in the mirror. There is nothing that compares to a wise man. Only the wise 
have solutions for the situations that face them. And you can tell just by looking at them, the ones who have the wisdom and the ones who are floundering. This morning, right now, when we're honest, which one are we? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. Lord, it is possible and it's probable that there are people right now and they are walking in wisdom, they are seeking wisdom, they are seeking your direction. And Lord, they could truly say that, that the expression and, and the face that, that we see at church, it is what they see when they look at themselves. They, they know right now that they are walking according to your wisdom. There's no question about that. But Lord, there are some here this morning, no doubt as well, that if they would just be honest, they know that right now they are struggling. It's written all over their face. It's written all over their countenance. They've got questions as, as it relates to relationships, finances, careers, whatever it may be. And God, right now, more than anything, they need to seek your wisdom. I pray that today they would see the value in that. And God, that they would stop trying to fake everyone out, that they would stop lying to themselves, and that they would just admit that right now what they need more than anything is your guidance and your direction, and that they, that they, that they would seek that. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts today. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.